celebrated a birthday last Sunday, turned 43 years old. 43 years old. And I know you're thinking, how could such a young-looking man be 43 years old? It's true. The beard gives it away. Um, so uh, I turned 43 last Sunday, and uh, I, I remember one birthday in particular recently uh, that really stood out to me. Uh, it wasn't necessarily my 40th birthday. How many of you have turned 40 in the last few years? And, or how many of you have felt, and, and, and okay, Ron, Ron turned 40. He's celebrating the 17th anniversary of your 40th birthday? Okay. Um, so uh, when I turned 40, I, I've always heard, you know, when you turn 40 that you kind of like, you know, lose your mind a little bit. And, and it's like you get scared about the future or whatever. And, and 40 wasn't bad. Uh, 40 was great, actually. My wife threw me a very fun uh, birthday party at the uh, Pastor Appreciation Potluck that year. Totally floored me. First time in my life a surprise party has ever surprised me. And uh, I was surprised. So we did that three years ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, the, the year before that, 39 was the hard one. And when I turned 39, I said to myself, I'm going to be 40 next year. And I thought, the thought came to me of, my life is about half over. Uh, if, if barring tragedy, and for some of you it may not seem like a tragedy, but barring tragedy and nothing happens to me, I'm going to live another maybe 39, 40, 45 maybe 50 years at the most. Where's the time gone? That's the question I'm, I'm left with is, where has the time gone? It, it seems like when we're young, when we're really young, when we're little, when we're in elementary school, that time just drags on. Am I ever going to get out of elementary school? Am I ever going to be big enough to ride the roller coaster? Am I ever going to grow up? Am I ever going to be big enough to drive or, or get away from these parents of mine? Is that ever going to happen? And then you, I turned, like, you know, that was my thought when I was a kid. It was, you know, am I ever going to grow up? And then I turned around, and the next thing I knew, I was in junior high. And... and Junior high went by like that. And all of a sudden, I'm in high school, and I walk through the doors of my high school as a freshman, and the next thing I know, I'm walking across the stage as a graduate. And I was graduating high school, and I, I turned around, and I thought, where did the time go? Where did those four years go? And then I went to school. I went to college. And I went to two different colleges over a period of about eight and a half years, and, and I remember walking across the stage at Lincoln Christian College getting my diploma uh, getting my college degree, I thought, where did the time go? Where is the time gone? I'm, I'm a college graduate now. And I, coming up in, in about a week and a half, I'm going to celebrate uh, the 20th anniversary of meeting my wife. 20 years ago, I met this woman. 20 years! Where's the time gone? And later this year, we'll celebrate 18 years of marriage. Where's the time gone? And then I think about the first church I served in a little town in Illinois called Atwood. And we were there for five years. And then we moved to Minnesota for five years. And then we came here almost ten years ago. We've been in Griffith for almost ten years. Where has the time gone? While we were in Minnesota, our son was born. And he's going to be, he just turned ten years old a couple months ago. My son is ten. He's ten years old. Where did the time go where does the time go and 
I think we all ask this question from time to time. That we look at our lives and we look in the mirror and we look at our houses or we look at our situations, we look at our jobs and we look at life and we say, where's the time going? When we're young, uh, teenagers, I know you're thinking, I'm never going to grow up, I'm never going to get out of this house, I'm never going to be able to drive or I'm never going to be able to go to college and, and just time drags on and on and on, right? Teenagers? Time just drags and drags. Let me tell you what, you're going to turn around and you're going to be in high school and then you're going to turn around you're going to be in college and you're going to be making plans for your life, trying to choose a major. And my teenage friends, I'm telling you right now, don't blink. Or maybe you're in your 20s or in your 30s and you're thinking, man, I'm just starting to feel like I'm in the prime of my life. I'm making good decisions. I'm making good choices and, and things are getting better and telling you right now if you're in your 20s or 30s don't blink because it goes by so fast and the next thing you know you're in your 40s or your 50s and you and you turn around think where did the time go wait a minute i'm starting to lose a grip on things here i i don't have the grip that i once had and and i thought i was in control and i thought i knew what i was doing and now i i feel like I, i don't and i can't imagine yet what it's like to be a retiree you know, and to look in the mirror and go, who is that old guy in the mirror? Where did he come from? Don't blink. Don't blink. Because it's going to go faster and faster and faster. And in the scope of eternity, may, our lives on this planet are so brief. And we're going to talk about that today. We've been talking about the book of James here on Sunday mornings this fall. And uh, we've been studying uh, the book of James. And we've talked about where the rubber meets the road. And we've talked about the intersection of faith and life, where real life is lived out in in light of our faith. Uh, We've talked about different things like controlling our tongues. Uh, We've talked about... um, how God doesn't play favorites, and neither should we. We even talked about our own personal preferences and opinions and how they really don't matter that much compared to what God wants, that it's God's will that is overall. And that's also kind of what we're going to talk about today as we talk about how we really don't have a lot of time. Uh, We may think that we have a lot of time, and we may tell ourselves, I've got time, right? Not according to James. We need to make every day count. We need to make every single day count. Because our days are numbered. And we only get so many. So today we're going to open up our Bibles to the book of James, chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. If you've got your Bible, please grab it and turn there. If you didn't bring one, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It looks like this. It's on page 856 of that Bible page 856 of the Bible in the chair in front of you, or you can use your favorite smartphone app on your phone or tablet, whatever you've got. And we're going to read together James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, and then we'll uh, talk about what it means. We'll look at some other passages of Scripture as well. We're going to take about 15 minutes and just talk about what what these words here mean this morning. So James writes in chapter 4, verse 13, Now listen, you who say... Today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. 
Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. The word picture that James gives us there, he says your life is a mist or a vapor. It appears for a little while and then vanishes. It's the idea of a pot of boiling water. Now you're familiar with a pot of boiling water, I'm sure. Maybe you've put one on the stove or you've pulled a, a boiling uh, thing of water, bowl of water out of the microwave. The idea there is that little mist, that little vapor, that steam that rises over the pot of water, James says that that is your life. It's there for a moment, and then it's gone. It's there for a second, and then it's gone. In the grand scope of eternity, in the grand scheme of things, our lives are like that little bit of mist, that little bit of condensation over a pot of boiling water. It's there, and then it's gone. Don't blink. Because you'll be asking yourself, where did the time go? James here in, in chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, says that rather than making our own plans and rather than making our own, uh, and counting our own steps and making our own steps and, and trying to determine our own purposes, He says, we need to say, if it is the Lord's will. See, we we don't do that enough. We make our plans. We make our steps. We plot out our course. We pull out our smartphone. We we put it in Google Maps, right? We have like a Google Maps app for our lives. And we think to ourselves, well, I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this. Or I'm going to go there and I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to graduate from high school, and I'm going to go to this college, and I'm going to major in this subject, and, and then I'm going to go move to this city, and I'm going to get this job, and I'm going to work there for a few years, and then I'm going to get another job, and I'm going to meet someone along the way, and I'm going to get married, and we're going to have these kids, and we're going to buy this house, and we're going to buy that car, and all the while, we never ask God what we should do. We just make our plans, we set our purposes, We chart out our course, and yet we never surrender to God's will. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 9, it says, In their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You see, my friends, God is in charge. He is the one who's in control. In Proverbs, chapter 20, verse 24, It says, a person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? Your steps are determined by the Lord. Your days are numbered by God. Why would we not choose to surrender and to submit to his will? Take your Bible. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes is in the Old Testament. And... um, This one's on uh, page 473. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Solomon talks about time. I want to read this chapter. 
There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken away from it. God does it so that men will revere him. Whatever is has already been, and what, has be, what will be has been before, and God will call the past to account. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. And I thought in my heart, God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked, wicked for there is a, will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. I also thought, as for men, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Man's fate is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Man has no advantage over the animal. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust, and to dust all return. Who knows if the spirit of man rises upward, if the spirit of an animal goes down into the earth? So I saw that there is nothing better for a man than to enjoy his work, because that is his lot. For who can bring him to see what will happen after him? That sounds so depressing. It sounds so hard, it's so sad that a life lived meaninglessly is a life that is wasted. There is a time for everything, but time is running out. Our days are numbered. And so rather than saying, well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I need to do this, and I need to do that, and I need to get myself together, I need to get my stuff done, I got things to do, I'm going to make these plans, I'm going to count, I'm going to make these steps. We need to say, Lord, whatever your will is, your will be done. And I see that in John chapter 11, 25 and 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he asked this question, do you believe this? That in our lives, this is the ultimate question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he died for your sins? Do you believe that he is the risen son of God? And that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus by believing in him and repenting from your sins and confessing your faith and getting baptized, that God will wash away your sins and he will cleanse you from your sins and he will make you brand new and he will put purpose into your life and he will lead you according to his perfect plan. See, when we try to take life by the horns and when we try to live our lives according to our own will and according to our own plans when we don't surrender when we don't submit to Jesus 
Well, then we're guilty of sin, James says. Because in James 4.17, he writes, Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. If you know that there is something that God has for you to do and you refuse to do it, you are guilty of sin. What is God calling you to do? What is God's will for your life? What does he want you to do? Are you submitting and surrendering to his will? Are you doing what it is that he has called you to do? And it may be something like, you know, just being a servant of his here at the church, volunteering in some way at the church, being an ambassador for him at work. What is it that God is calling you to do? Being the head of your household and leading your family closer to Jesus. What is God asking you to do? Are you submitting and surrendering to his will? When Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed three times, not my will be done, but your will be done. And too often we want to pray the prayer, my will be done, not thy will be done. We need to lay it down, our wills and our plans and the things that we want to do. We need to lay that down at the cross. We need to lay that down at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, your will be done, not my will be done. Because when we make our plans, we are guilty of boasting and bragging that we know best. That we know what's going on. When in reality, we have no idea. We think we've got it all together. We think we see the box. I like to think of my life as a puzzle. My little guy loves to do puzzles. And and he does them quick, too. And and he will put them together really fast. And uh, he loves to do puzzles. I'm not much of a puzzle guy. Uh, I don't have the patience for it, but when little guy puts together the puzzles, what does he do? He doesn't just dump all the pieces on the ground and throw away the box. No, he keeps the box. So he sees what the picture's supposed to look like. And then he starts setting the edge pieces and filling in the pieces from there. But he uses the box so that he knows what the puzzle looks like in the end. See, your life is like a puzzle. And God's got the box. And he sees the box. He knows, he knows what you're going through. He's putting the puzzle of your life together, and right now the pieces may not look like they make sense. The pieces may not look like they fit, but you don't know what he's doing just yet. You don't know how he's putting your puzzle together. And so he may be looking at your box, and he may be putting it together like a masterpiece. And all the while you're saying, Lord, why am I going through this? Lord, what's going on? And And it may become perfectly clear in time. Or it may become perfectly clear in eternity. But either way, I believe that one day it will make sense. If you will submit to God's will and surrender to God's will and say, Thy will be done, not my will be done. You will make your days matter. You will make your days count. You know, I've heard it said that it's not a matter of counting your days, but making your days count. Living out 
every day in the will of God. And I believe that when you do that, when you live your life in the will of God, within God's will, and you say, thy will be done, that God will take you to places you never imagined. And he will do things in you that you never even considered to be a possibility. You may be sitting there right now going, I have no idea what this looks like. I have no idea what my puzzle looks like. I have no idea what the box looks like, but God knows. And God knows what is best for you. He knows what is best for me. And he will do, I believe this with all my heart, that he will do what is best for you. And so you may be saying, I don't see the purpose in my pain. Or I don't see the purpose in my disease. I don't see the purpose in my situation. I don't see the purpose in my, in my struggling marriage. I don't see the purpose in my, in my job. I don't see the purpose in, in my uh, illness. I don't see the purpose in my loss. I don't see the purpose behind it. I don't see God's will in it. Don't give up on God. Trust him. He knows what he's doing. And he has you right where he wants you, right where you're supposed to be right now. And that may mean that, that you got to go through it a little while longer before things get better. But I know that my God is able to take all situations and he's able to work them all out for good, for the greatest good. And that good may not happen here on earth. But let me tell you, when you get to heaven, it's all good. Stay faithful to Jesus. Stay faithful to God. Turn your will over to him and trust him. He knows what he's doing. He sees the box. In Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, he wrote, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. May you know the number of days is running out, that time is fleeting, that time is running out for every one of us. Count your days and make your days count. And may you have a heart of wisdom and then in Proverbs 19, 21, it says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. The Lord's purpose will prevail. God is in charge. He is in control. He will not let you down. He will not turn his back on you. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. His purpose will prevail. So whatever's coming against you right now, whatever you're struggling with, whatever is causing you hurt and pain and heartache, whatever is weighing on your heart and on your mind today, know that God has a greater purpose for it and that he will make it work out for good. That is what my God does. And I believe that. And I believe that for you and I believe that for me. Though time is fleeting and time is running out and we may look at our lives and go, where did the time go? God's got it all in his hands. He knows what he's doing. Trust him. The English poet Chaucer said, Time and tide wait for no man. Time and tide wait for no man. 
my question for you today is, are you waiting for life to pass you by? Or are you surrendering and submitting to the will of God? Because when we do that, we see his purpose in our lives. We see his purpose for our lives. We see his will being done in our lives. And we know that he hasn't given up on us. And we know that he hasn't turned his back on us. And, he know, and we know that he is God. And he is in charge. And he is in control. May you know today beyond the shadow of a doubt that your God has got you right in his palms, right in his hands. He is watching over you, protecting you, loving you, caring for you. And if you will submit and surrender to his will, he will work whatever you're going through in your life out for good. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are the God who is in charge, the God who is in control, that you see the big picture. You see the picture of the puzzle on the box. Lord, sometimes the things you do don't make sense to us. In our limited understanding, in our finite minds, we can't understand why we're going through what we're going through. We can't understand what's going on. Help us to know and to remember that, Lord, you are in charge. And that while life may seem hard at this time, it'll get better. By your grace, by your strength, by your power, and by your will, we pray that it will get better. And if it's not here in this life, give us the strength to make it through eternity. Give us the strength to make it home. As we know in your presence... There is no more weeping, no more mourning, no more crying, no more death, no more pain. So until we get home, God, give us the strength to get through this life and to do your will. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen.